Welcome to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology. All right, well, welcome to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, where theology matters. Hey, hello, hello everyone. More family integrated. <laughs> more, uh, more of me. If we do one more, I think I have to hold her. That's right. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. So she's sliding one. down. <laughs> she's moving. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so this is our Q&A podcast, okay. so all of us have some questions, at least one. At least one. Do you have a question? I do. Okay. Yeah, and so this first Why one... Why did Moses' wife spread? <laughs> <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> so this first one is uh, for all of y'all, but for Kiefer mm. specifically, true or false? The righteousness and justice of God is that aspect of God's holiness which is seen in his treatment of the creature. <laughs> and we lost Kiefer. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Talk about a power struggle. So we're taking the chance because Dominic might be a listener. He could be. He could be. Uh no. God is just he is God and you are the creature and he do, he is our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. So I think uh I, I just I think when you start being overly anthropomorphic in your theology, that's when you... Because so I'm saying that God could be righteous. Anthropocentric, sorry. God could be righteous and justice apart from a creature existing. Yes. Yeah. He always was. I mean, before he made the heavens. Yes, before it, when, he, right. when he was just God. And, okay. Yeah, sorry. So is that statement like supposed to say that God was not a certain way until after he created... I think that statement is trying to say that his justness and his righteousness are how we perceive and what he does. Well, is that what that means? Do you think? I think it's, I think it's a not well thought out argument that's intended to be used only in support against Calvinism. Yes, because the charge is Calvinistic election is unjust, and since God's justice is absolutely defined in how He interacts with us, then the whole system breaks down. And so I, I do. You, yeah, I mean, you pushed back and pushed back and pushed back and never got a response to that actual question. So I, I don't, I don't think interaction or deep thought was really in play. I, yeah. I just don't understand like the other side of the argument. Like I don't understand like everyone's talking about everything going down down in Alabama with abortion. And I just feel like I was explaining to Sarah this morning that I believe that God regenerates before we can have faith. And he does it supernaturally. So when people ask, well, what about all the, the children who die or babies are aborted? Like in my understanding of the scriptures, God has the ability to supernaturally intervene and regenerate someone before they so that so that they can believe. So I don't I think God could do that and say, which I, I don't understand if you have to make that choice to believe. I don't see how that's oh. that's a system well, there. If that makes sense. If then that kind of goes into like the age of accountability, right? Where age accountability, still making a choice, you have to be a certain age where you understand the choice, and then if you die before that age, yeah, you're good. You just assume that you're. So you're born with a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory golden ticket, ah, and at a certain point when you still sin willfully, God takes it away. Got it. But if you don't have that opportunity for God to take it, 
then you're good. Then you're, you're good. good. Yeah. But you but do have to but ask but that second like, Aren't you as conceived into sin? The completely unbiblical idea of an age of accountability <laughs> is, in fact, the way God operates. Right. Right. If, okay. If that's not the way God operates, then that whole system has a glaring flaw. Yes. Right. So to answer your question, God is righteous and just, doing whatever He pleases, yeah, and we are, we are not. To put God in the dock, as C.S. Lewis says, I believe the one who put but it. I, the bigger problem that I have with this quote is that it's so anthropocentric. God is righteous and just in His interactions with us as creatures, but shut that or not. I mean, God is just righteous and just whether we exist or not. Right. It's it's not something to Sarah's point. It's not something that God began to be. Right. Right. After He created. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's I think the the obvious point that when you say so, God in eternity past before Eden, God wasn't righteous or just. Mm. No, it's an ontological state of being for Him that He is righteous and just. So He He's also righteous and just towards us creatures. Mm-hmm. But right. that's not that's not the basis of His righteousness mm-hmm. and justice. And then that becomes a man-centered. Yes, there it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Karate yeah. chop it. I did. He did yeah. karate chop it, but yes, man center <laughs> for sure. That was a fun question. That was a good, great question. <clears throat> Thanks. Yeah. I, I is that, that your real one? Well, I mean, it is. I do have five a, minutes on it. I do have another one. Okay. So, but let's let's go let's go to Sarah. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to uh, excuse me. <clears throat> paraphrase a um, female pastor. Well, she's technically the wife, but she takes the title of a, of the pastor. Posted this big long thing about Paul told Timothy not to permit women to speak in church, but the context of that is because the women were yelling and causing a ruckus in church. So we have to read it contextually, of course, to understand why women were not permitted to speak. So Can she substantiate that as the context. You said, did she? No. Yes. No, can, wait. Can she? I, I don't honestly know. Because I can yeah. just say that right. the context is X, Y, or Z. If I don't have to prove it, then so, that opens up a lot of possibilities. What you're asking okay, so is, I'm gonna, does I'm, okay. she cite what research and exegesis no. went into no, it? No, she yeah. says no. that no. Um, no. <laughs> in the Corinthian and Ephesian church, Paul addressed cultural problems that he saw rising. That basically, he told women that they weren't allowed to teach because... Uh, more or less they had too much power and that women we can get whatever we want um i, I don't know i guess because we're manipulative by nature i don't really understand her point there but basically um that he was just telling all the women to stop talking as a contextual thing and that's not a real thing so she her argument argument was that women can teach if they're in submission to their pastor so how do we say Excuse me, ma'am. You are quite wrong. Excuse me, ma'am. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Because what bothers me about these kind of things is there's so much thought put into it, and then it's so it starts off like kind of half true, and you're like, oh yeah, he was telling women to be quiet because they were yelling from across the room because they were, you know, X Y Z, and then it goes into this like just completely dives into the ground and it's it's very dangerous to teach half truths yeah i have a lot to say about this i would like i genuinely want to hear it so i think the context of what she's referring to so this is first corinthians 14 34 
Paul says the women are to keep silent in the churches for they are not permitted to speak but are subject, but are to subject themselves just as the law also says. If they desire to learn anything, let them ask their own husbands at home for it is proper mm. for a woman to speak, for it is improper for a woman to speak. Was it from you that the word of God first went mm-hmm. forth or has it come from to you only? All right. So the whole context here is Paul's addressing, and this kind of goes back to what we were just talking about, the misuse of tongues in the church. And Paul is laying out a thing where he says, okay, if you're going to have tongues, then you need an interpreter, and we're not going to line up all 50 people who want to talk in tongues. There's one or two, and there may be some prophecy, and then we're going to have some order to this. But if you're going to have a tongue, you know, someone speaking in tongues, there's got to be an interpretation. And then after that, there's a judging of what was just said. Like, is that proper or not proper? And I think it's in that context that he's saying the women are to be silent in the judging of that. Because you can just imagine kind of the contention for someone to say, all right, you know, kind of like what we're joking about. You No, no, you got a demon. That's not from God. That's not a proper prophecy or interpretation or a matter of tongues. And if the women have questions about this or the wives have questions about this judging process, then they're... They need to talk to their husbands mm-hmm. at home. I mean, if if this were to be taking, taken literally by all of us, then, you know, women shouldn't speak at all in any type of service. Right. Which we, I don't know that anyone ever does that. Um, they anyone don't have, who has a woman sing on the, the worship team is out. Right. They, right, yeah. right. So I think or that's... maybe sing in the congregation. Yeah, right. yeah. No, 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 no. You can't sing at Mighty Fortresses or Voltron. You yeah. can't sing yeah, that. No. Yeah, right out. So I, I think that's what's going on in this text. Mm-hmm. Um, but... While we're here, we should go over to First Timothy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because really quick, she said that Paul told Timothy that some of the women were going around from house to house and they were being busybodies, idle, causing gossip, and talking nonsense. He knew that behavior was toxic and could destroy the church. So how do you get rid of a problem and eradicate it? You go to the source of the issues. So her whole her whole point was that women had the power to destroy the church with their talking, and that's why women aren't supposed to talk in church. But if we submit to our pastors and we and we say good things, I guess, then we're okay. Yeah, so... There's a whole and, lot of and, extra biblical information. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So much. And it's like, with this whole, like, feminism thing rising and becoming bigger and bigger and bigger every day, we get really mad when we're told that we can't be as good as the men or we can't do something. So it's like, she makes it into a, we're so powerful and strong, that's why we're not supposed to do it. We're too powerful. We're just too powerful. Yeah. They can't handle us. Like, that... All right, so... It just seems so... Too- Two points to this. One is, ironically, I think it came out yesterday. There's a Dividing Line podcast by James White. I think it came out May 17th, where he actually walks through and exegetes 1 Timothy chapter 2 and talks through why we believe in men, eldership for men only. Secondly, I am so tired of this issue being Mm -hmm. we're not as good as men. I am so tired of having to say over and over, a different function does not mean a different value, value, right? Right. It's kind of like the issue of the Trinity. Christ has willingly subordinated himself in the incarnation to the Father's will. That doesn't mean that God, the Father, Mm -hmm. is better than Christ Mm -hmm. the Son. Right. They are both fully deity but they have different roles Mm -hmm. christ this or uh, god the spirit the holy spirit doesn't get a whole lot of press 
Why is that? Well, because his job, his function, his role is to bring glory to the Son and the mm-hmm. Father. So yeah. that doesn't mean that he's somehow lesser or kind of, he's like quasi-deity or something like that. So, yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, I mean, the fact that women are not allowed into the offices in the New Testament church is not a value judgment. It's right. not. Right. It's not. I mean, oh, it just bugs me that we read our current <clears throat> cultural context yes. back into yes. for sure. the, the New Testament, which, by the way, had its own cultural context. Yep. And we do need to be knowledgeable about that. But this whole better than, you know, mansplaining and all of this oh, yeah. kind of stuff that's getting reinserted back into Scripture, it just bugs me. Look at First Timothy 2. Look at Tell it. me if the argument is from creation or culture. From for me, yeah, I mean, I, I've got it here, and what he talks about, but it, like, and to kind of go on with your argument. So what I've heard, so um, I used to have a coworker. Actually, I have a lot of coworkers who went to Elevation, but you know, Elevation, uh, they have a campus pastor now who's a, a female in Asheville. Huh. Um, and this is a campus pastor. I, I don't. I don't know if she still is. I just know that they did that, and they asked me point blank at work. Said, "Can women be preachers?" I said, "No," uh, or pastors. I said, "No, they cannot." He said, "Why?" I was like, "Because of scripture." And someone told me I was wrong. And I was like, "Well, why?" And I said, "Do you not agree with the scripture?" And they said, "No, I don't." And I said, "Well, why not?" And they said, "Well, because it it limits women." And she said, "I feel like it puts a, a roof on." I'm like. That doesn't make any sense. I'm like, and, and my next question is, well, how many women are you mentoring? She's none. I'm like, well, you're saying it as a limit, but if there is a structure, you're not even doing that because I'm thinking of Titus, where it talks about all of the uh, like the basically like exhortation for women to teach other women and to help them because it's like I'm not gonna try to go talk to a woman about how she needs to like just see through the pain of being pregnant or something like that. Cause I just, I don't have that experience that I can offer words of comfort, but women can instruct women in a specific way. Same way that men can, men can reach to another man in, in another way on a spiritual level. It just doesn't make sense. That we say that one's better than the other. Like, I wish I do that. It's like, I, I just, I don't see it. And I, and, and absolutely along with you, just because Corinth was a bad town does not make it, the the first century's insert crazy city. Right. Well, and not only that, it's not just there. You go to Timothy, who uh, right. presumably was in Ephesus. Ephesus yeah. And you go to Titus, who was, I think, in Crete. Crete. Right. So this is cross-cultural. And by the way, um, five out of the six commandments in the second table of the law are thou shalt not. That seems pretty limiting on all of us. <laughs> the, yeah. Bi- the Bible is actually <laughs> hyper-constrictive in that it, it wants to keep us in certain places and not in right. other places. So the, the argument that it's limiting, yeah, welcome to life. I mean, yeah. that, that's, that, oh. My parents limited me a lot when they were raising me. So it yeah. kind of panned out. I mean, I'm not like a murderer. Yet. So that worked out. Yeah, you, yeah, that is true. That's true. Anything can happen. But it's like my favorite, same thing. Like you read, you read in scripture, it says that God disciplines all those that he loves and things right. like that. Same thing as a parent. You know, it's like I limit my kid. I put my kid on my bed and I put pillows. And I limit where she is so she doesn't roll off of it because it's for her right. good. It's going to like it's going to emphasize what she's at right now, which is starting to roll. And it's going to encourage it in a, in a bit of a way, but not too much in a, in a way to where it becomes harmful. And that was just shooting from the hip from with a, uh, an, alleg- uh, 
an analogy and I felt like it landed. Good. The sentence good. that I just said didn't so much, <laughs> but uh, the, the analogy itself felt, yeah. felt yeah. real good. Yeah. So let's read the text in First Timothy. This is 2.9. Sorry, my question's been long. I'm sorry. No, it's good. It says, likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing. Well, hang on, hang on. Back, actually, back up to verse 8. Yeah. Because of the argument here that it's supposed supposedly only talking about husbands and wives. Well, because he does, he does talk about men uh, up above, and, he's, and he kind of closes it off with, therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, modesty, and discreet, discreetly, not with braided hair or gold, and gold or pearls or costly garments, but rather by means of good works, as is proper for women making a claim to godliness. Now, I do want to point out, so far, those women have all been plural. Women, 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 women. Verse 11, we turn a corner, woman. A woman must receive instruction with entire submissiveness, but I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but mm-hmm. to remain quiet, for it was Adam who was first created and then Eve, and yeah. it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman uh, being deceived fell into transgression. But women will be preserved from the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctify with self-restraint. So the point I want to make here is the, the word for man and woman can also be translated as husband and wife. Mm-hmm. And so in most of the time when they come together, like man and woman, you're going to use context to figure it out. So he says, women, 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 I want women. And then in verse 11, he says, a woman must. A woman must. And I think a better translation would be a wife must mm-hmm. quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness, mm-hmm. but I do not allow a wife to teach or exercise authority over a husband, husband. but to remain quiet yeah. for it was Adam and, and then Eve. So I think that flows naturally. Yeah. Because, and that also makes sense because we're both in the church, but I wouldn't expect you to quietly receive with all submission everything that I say. Right. We barely know each, well, you know, goes, we know each other a little bit, but you know, yeah. nor do my wife would be that. So I think... This is somewhat twisted. There's still the role of the man as the, the head, but it's the the woman, the wife receives instruction from the husband, right. which now is natu- naturally fits into all that the Bible talks about husbands yeah. and wives. And it goes back to the verse that we just read about women should ask their husbands right. questions at home. Right. So. Yeah. So I actually disagree with translating it that way while I don't disagree with the point that you made mm-hmm. yeah, I think mm-hmm. that man and woman is proper here uh, the whole way through um, I don't know that number 11 means that a woman needs to learn quietly from any given man I don't I think right. that's taking it out of its context uh, and I don't because I think if you go to number 12 that I don't permit a woman to teach or exercise authority over her husband then you know what about the argument that's made well if you have an elder who's teaching under the authority of her husband who is an elder, then that's totally, and that's an argument that's actually made that the husband and wife pastor thing, she's preaching under the authority yeah. of her husband. That was a conclusion of the post well, then, that I was just reading. But then you run afoul of an elder must be the husband of one wife. Right. So I don't, I don't know that, that that's that, uh, that translation of whatever those Greek words were, Gonair and Andros and Gunay. Yeah. Andros and Gunair or Gunay. I, don't I think it's pronounced Gouda. Really Gouda. Yeah. Yeah. Like cheese. Yeah. 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 So, um, yeah. I, I, I don't think that translation would then open the door for that. If you're mm-hmm. still going to follow what what is immediately afterwards in chapter 3, where an elder must be the husband of one wife. 
And I agree with your interpretation yeah. of that, but there there are kind of ways to get out of that and say that, well, it's just a one-woman man, which isn't actually talking about men, but it's talking about fidelity. And hmm. So yeah. I, my point is, I think if you stick well, the, with... The, the problem is, if, if they're willing to do that, then they're, they're willing to do anything to justify what they believe. And there's not going to be a interpretation of the word that's going right. to answer them, I, I think. Right? Yeah, I, I would, but I still think that it's proper to leave it as man and woman, and because I don't think that Adam and Eve are there represented as. We need a, to get mounts on here and ask them what he thinks. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think Adam and Eve there is is them as representative of a husband and wife, but as representative of men and, men and, men and, and women. women. And maybe that's why. Maybe that's the context that they. Yeah, it's just easier to go fully non-binary. I found so. Uh, wait, yeah. so like fifty-eight. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, we, okay. We got. We, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Who, who wrote Hebrews? <laughs> That's actually like a hot topic in our church. I think it was Apollos, and it's definitely. I think it's a sermon that was that was written out and then sent. Them a question and an answer. No, because I want to hear what they think <laughs> too. And I think it was Apollos. It's definitely a sermon. The Greek word for word of exhortation is the same one that's used for Paul. And when he's preaching, so there's that was going to be one of my questions. I know we're running on time here, and then just do you guys think Melchizedek was a pre-incarnate Christ? So I also agree, Paulos. Um, I think it was, <laughs> I think at least when I took New Testament Survey two, I was really kind of researching it. I came to either Apollos or possibly Luke, but. How Hebrews is written is strikingly different than Luke, Luke and Acts. Acts. But some people are making the argument, well, Luke and Acts were a history, and Hebrews is more didactic, maybe a sermon. So, But I, I lean towards Apollos. Another elder in our church also leans towards Apollos. He says... I don't care. The Holy Spirit. Yeah. No. I mean, it's not... But a, you think it was Paul's I sermon think, written down by someone, right? I think it, it, it's... I think the source from a human perspective is Paul in some way, shape, or form, whether it was a sermon of his that was written down or a sermon by someone who he taught. Or, I mean, it's, it's very apostolic in origin, but ultimately I believe it was inspired by the Holy Spirit, so it doesn't really matter. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm fairly convinced by the scholars who say this is not a letter that Paul wrote, but... It's that's not a hot button issue for me. Yeah, it does lack typical Pauline intro, outro. The language is completely different. Like all Paul's contraction of Greek words are missing from it. He also doesn't the author say that he gained his knowledge from an apostle in Hebrews. I think the author mentions that he gained his. his, I don't remember that. uh, I can pull it up. Reference. I thought I had it, but anyways, sorry. And what was your second question? Was Melchizedek Christ? Um, I, when I was younger, I thought he was, and now I no longer do. I think he was a priest who typified a um, Christ-likeness where he came out of basically nowhere. He didn't, he didn't have a priesthood like the Levitical priesthood. And so that's why Hebrews references him that way. But um, I, I'm 
don't be bent out of shape personally. I just always like to ask and see. Yeah. <laughs> what do you What do you think? I'm firmly up in the air. Uh, I see good reasons for both arguments and big problems on both sides. Um, it seems weird to me that Christ would be given a priesthood in the order of a mortal human. Yeah. Uh, it also seems weird to me that, I mean, I don't think Melchizedek had a one-day priesthood just to right. be there while, you know. So it seems weird to me that there would be a Christophany of some pretty long duration, apparently. And the only thing we ever are told is of the one time when he met uh, with Abraham. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. You have questions? Yep, I got two. Uh, the, what, the quick one is, a co-worker asked me this. He said his 11-year-old daughter asked him, um, God says pray for your enemies. Why don't we pray for Satan? Well, I don't, th- okay. I don't think the context there is angelic enemies. I think the context is clearly human in- in- enemies. Um... And I think scripture is clear that Satan's path and uh, nature are sealed. There's no revealed redemption plan for fallen mm. angels. Mm. So I'm not sure how prayer would help. That's very, very close to the answer that I gave. Yeah. 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 That's what and, I mean. and I went to the fact that, you know, we don't pray for the dead. Right. Mm. Because one, you know, Hebrews nine twenty seven is pretty clear. Once someone has died, then comes the judgment. There's no mm. post death altering. Right. And you know, we are to pray for enemies with the hope that God is going to regenerate them and bring them into the fold. Right. Mm. That was answered similarly. Any other leftover questions? Oh yeah, no, my real one. Oh, you're real one? Oh, yeah. okay. Uh, is open theism formal heresy? <laughs> oh, man. I... Join uh, Theology uh, Matters. So before, Jump we, in. before we came here, Kiefer said, just remember that when you're on a podcast, everything you say is recorded, you never know who might listen. So okay. now you ask this question, and it's like, hmm. Well, I know someone who won't listen because mm-hmm. they were removed from the group. But... Well, uh, <laughs> doesn't mean I, well, obviously, because we've talked about this, I think you could confess open theism in a way that would be heresy. And when I and when I use the word heresy, I I mean like if you knowingly know what you're saying and you confess that, then that means you you are not part of Christ. So I have heard people who are open theists who explain how they get there. And I'm like, okay, I disagree with you fundamentally on lots of stuff. But I don't think that that would preclude them, even knowing what they know and how they're saying it, from being in a relationship with Christ. And that's why I am, like, straddling the fence on is it heresy or not. Is it wrong? Absolutely. Should we promote it or allow it in our church absolutely not um, mm. should we allow it in theology matters we all said no 
I mean, it's a private group, so we can make yeah. it. <laughs> it's a theocracy. Technically, it's so. Caleb's group, so he gets to make all of the rules. I thought for sure I had started, but maybe Caleb did. Um, so <laughs> it, says, it says it says he did, out, but, but you Caleb. were the first person added, and right. then you were the the other yeah, mic. Yeah, so, so. Um, I think that a person, <laughs> I think that a person can't. I think there's a difference between a heretic and a heresy. I think right. a heretic is someone who purposefully preaches incorrect issues and leads believers astray. I think a believer can can believe a heresy without actually being a heretic. Uh, but I think that eventually their mind will be changed because we're always being sanctified and conformed to the image of Christ. So I, like you said, I think that somebody could hold to that view, but probably not for long and probably not very mm. deeply before they move on and say, Oh man, that so was Let me wrong. ask you a follow on. Do you think Gregory Boyd is saved or not saved? <laughs> Gregory Boyd is great. He's, a, he's kind of the main face of open. Oh, okay. Uh, and you, you probably don't know enough to say. I, yeah, I, don't I don't know, know. enough to say. But see, here's here's my thing: is my if not I saved? Not saved. if I say someone's not saved, it doesn't actually make them not saved. Right. So you and know, so I'm like, really right. <laughs> my so, words don't hold any weight. But if it's yeah. my opinion and someone's teaching that purposefully, probably not. See, I think I'm he's not, not, I'm not saying of God. that because he's but a mean guy. I'm not saying that because I know him. I'm saying that because I believe open theism is a formal heresy. I believe mm-hmm. it denies too much of the nature of God. I'll agree with open you. Open theists deny that God had knowledge that Adam was going to fall. Mm. Open, All of what? them? Oh. He, he only knows reality, so he only knows what is. So he I've knows heard. what's possible, but he doesn't know what choice Adam... Because <laughs> Adam, in that system, Adam is a libertarianly free creature... <laughs> And can do whatever he wants, right. so God doesn't know what he's going to do. So I guess there's maybe hyper open theism and yeah, maybe medium open theism because the open theism that I heard one person saying is that they were saying, and I try to explain this in our text, that God held certain things to be sovereignly going to happen, like way almost like if you're traveling, like. Well, we know we need to go through Atlanta, and we know we need to go through here, but how we get there... It's totally up to us. It's to- it, I, I will leave that, you know... I won't decide that, but we will get through here. And so that right. God has sovereignly determined some major events, but not the little the ones. fall, but not the little ones. And he doesn't know those things. He's kind of reacting to them as they come up. That seems like special pleading. So... Well, I mean, just saying that's... I think that they're trying to make sense out of they're trying to make sense out of text like you know God goes down to Watt Sodom and Gomorrah to see if it's really as bad and God changing his mind and repenting they're trying to, instead of seeing those as anthropomorphisms they're trying to say alright this is what scripture says mm-hmm. and we believe it so that right. must mean certain things God doesn't know in their future. My yeah. thought process, and this correct me if this doesn't make any sense, but if I, the one guy made the argument that God chooses to not know some things. But if he chooses to not know things, wouldn't he then already know them to choose not to know them anymore? You're starting, it, the, you're starting it, the next it, episode from when we come back. Yeah, yeah. I think. I'm just saying, maybe yeah, we'll have so to Skype back I, on, but it yeah, doesn't make so any I remember, sense. I was going back and forth with this guy because he was like, well, he can, God can choose to forget but that means he your knew it. sins. And I was like, because okay, in his justification oh, his sins, was, yeah. mm-hmm. God can do whatever he wants to and do. He I'm remember, like, well, he also, I think, said he will remember their sins no more. Right. And I was like, okay, well, if God can do 
anything he wants to, then he could technically then choose to remember their sins after that. So what sense does it make sense for him to have forgotten them? Right. Then if you can, all right, well, now I'm going to choose them. I, I, again, I think these are anthropomorphisms to help us under kind of understand how God moves through time and history, but they're not to be taken as being philosophically or theologically mm. narrow statements. So, yeah. But this, that's all the questions, right? So then we agree that yes. open theism is a formal heresy. <laughs> Say I would it. say that's what I, say heard. That's what I heard from Maybe that. hyper strong open theism would be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would say, yeah. I think um, it is. But. Yeah, so we don't have my other real question was but we don't even have time for it, because no. it would be like a full episode. But just so you know, so we can talk <laughs> about it later, is if a verse can never mean what it never oh, meant, yeah. then how do y'all guys throw out the the promises to David for someone on the throne if there's no millennial reign. Christ is on the throne of David. Not, not okay, the physical yeah, you're saying, throne. I, I, yeah, I felt, yeah, okay. Maybe, well, maybe we can, uh, we can Skype in for yeah, another episode. Yeah, we figure out a Skype in. Get we, our technology not that we're now. trying to become, you know, regular. Yeah. But <laughs> Mike and Mike and Keith and Sarah. I support it. I hear it. Yeah. Sounds good. Do you have time for shout outs? Shout out to uh, Crusaders Club. Be <laughs> uh, aware out there, out there. There's a var. What is it? Uh, beware. Yeah. There's a varmint out, out there. there. Name name is, is the devil. devil. Yeah, I like our song uh, better. I think personally, it's was it? Uh, yes. Was it, uh, um, Pirates of old. Godly man and godly woman. Welcome to church yeah, today. Like that. <laughs> right? No, I'm pretty it's really sure it's a friend him. of mine who's lying to me. But uh, <laughs> you think it's actually John? You think it's actually him saying uh, it's not him? I think it That'd is. But uh, but anyways, yeah. And then uh, shout out to Sparky for Sparky. Uh, being a, a Sparky. We love you. Good sport. Our charismatic yeah. friend. And uh, Brian and Caleb are new admins. Yay! Welcome. I love Brian. Brian kills well, me. Brian and Caleb aren't our new admins. No, Brian and Sparky are new admins. But I was shouting out to our, our Minion admins. Yeah. 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 Is Brian really an Arminian though? Uh, I don't know if Brian knows what Brian is. <laughs> yeah. He knows that he's Brian, super please write us. We want to know. one point Calvinist and he's iffy on Still the counts. one point. Still counts. <laughs> so that means you're basically like Brian Arminian. is mainly just an eye poker. Mm. Well, that that's true. We love. I'm Brian. not sure that he's yeah. actually come out and stated his soteriological position. Right. Well, you know? we're calling you, you out her. now. Shout out time became calling out time. <laughs> right. so, calling that's you not out. The same thing. Yeah, I don't think it is. No. Thanks okay. for letting us. Yes, thank you yeah. for having this us. Been been fun. Fun. Join the group. Yeah. Join the yeah. join the group. Sorry, I was pretty much right. going. Right. I'm so, hungry, so let's go. Think well, do justice, <laughs> love mercy, and walk humbly. Bye. Thanks. You've been listening to Mike and Mike Theology Plus, the podcast where we talk about all things related to Christian theology.